mama going fishing, yes I'm going fishing and my baby going fishing too. Hi, my name is Charlie Levine and I'm the senior writer of Angler's Journal. Last November, my stepfather passed away after a lengthy battle with cancer and I couldn't get right up to see my mom and help her in Connecticut where she lives uh, because of COVID. I did get up there in December before Christmas and one of the things she asked me to do was to go through all of my stepdad's tackle, organize it, and clean his desk, which he really used more like a workbench. And as I was going through that process, I discovered all these things that really defined him as a man. And I sat down and decided to write a story about it. And it helped me through the grieving process and to come to terms with his passing. So I thought I would read that article for you. I know a lot of people have experienced loss this year. And hopefully there's some things in there that you can relate to. I hope you enjoy it. And I really hope he'd enjoy it. I think he would. Thanks. Drawer Full of Memories by Charlie Levine. He had giant hands, fingers the same circumference as quarters, scarred, scratched, calloused, and rough. Shaking his hand was like shaking a catcher's mitt. But somehow he could tie intricate fishing knots, he could fix damn near anything, and whether it flew, floated, or rolled, he could drive it. He opened an auto body shop at 16 years old and stayed in business till he passed away last November at age 78. He built tow trucks and dump trucks. He dabbled in real estate and restaurants. He served for decades as a volunteer fireman, and he fished harder than anyone I knew growing up. For 35 years, he lived with my mom. Though they never officially married, I called him my stepdad. Now, the step-parent thing is a roll of the dice. You never know who you're going to get stuck with. I lucked out. His name was Oliver Helmrich, but everyone called him Corky, a nickname that first stuck to him as a young boy. He was a hard-working, simple guy, but by no means a simpleton. He always wore the same outfit, a blue polo shirt with a chest pocket for his glasses or phone, khaki shorts, and boat shoes that stretched out over the sides of the soles. He never wore socks unless the ground was frozen. In his prime, he was powerful, like the trucks he built. I once saw him throw a car transmission over his shoulder and walk across the yard next to his shop without so much as a grimace. He had a soft side, too. He was always taking in outcasts and strays. He'd employ them, lend them money, and tried to lead them down a path towards success. Even when the world gave up on these souls, Corky would give them shelter. I can't count how many people I've bumped into that have told me a story about a time Corky helped them out, no strings attached. I was one of them. When he passed, I drove my truck from Florida to Connecticut to help my mom. It was a dark time, and she needed a sympathetic ear and a strong back. My biggest task was organizing his mountain of tackle, underneath of which sat his roll-top desk. Stuck in a corner of the den, next to a wood stove, his desk hardly ever saw the light of day, 
It was buried below boxes of tackle, giant spools of monofilament, plastic bags with carefully rigged shark hooks on wire, shoeboxes stuffed with bank statements, cookbooks, charts with delicate notations for future trips, decades worth of photos, and stacks and stacks of fishing magazines. The desk held a little bit of everything that defined him. One drawer might have a knife, a manual from an outboard he sold 15 years ago, loose ammunition, a handwritten note from my sister, an envelope of cash, and broken sunglasses. While the next might be stuffed with tools and 18-0 circle hooks. My eyes welled up when I discovered a bunch of magazines he had saved for nearly 20 years, dog-eared to stories that I had written. He saved a calendar from 2007 that published a few of my photos. He always bragged about you to his fishing buddies, my mom said. I never really believed her until I opened that drawer. Corky fished for all manner of things, but he was most passionate about offshore fishing. Sharks, tuna, and billfish. He'd go on these marathon canyon fishing trips, heading out Friday after work, and we wouldn't hear from him till Sunday evening. He'd roll in around dinner time with sunburnt skin and a smile, carrying Ziploc bags full of mako fillets, swordfish steaks, or tuna loins. He was never boastful. How was the fishing, I'd ask, and I'd get a simple good or not so good as he fired up a grill or fell into a chair. Later, I'd hear his friends, whom my mother kiddingly, I think, referred to as the village idiots, recounts some tale of Corky catching a blue marlin on a skinny water spinning rod. The rod broke and he had to handline it in. And whenever there was an engine issue, Corky was the first guy to climb into the bilge and often the last one to leave. As a teenager, he hooked me up with cars and got me out of a few jams. In high school, I once got pulled over for rolling through a stop sign. I had beer on my breath. The cop knew Corky, so rather than drag me in, he followed me home to make sure I got there okay. Years later, Corky brought it up. You knew about that, I asked. He just laughed. I thanked him for not telling my mom. When I got a job as an editor at Marlin Magazine, I invited Corky on a fishing trip to Ecuador. He didn't even hesitate. He packed a small duffel, no larger than a gym bag, for our week-long trip. He always traveled light. We flew to Salinas and fished for tuna and marlin out of the port town of Manta. He coached me on fighting big fish in the chair. He let me wind on all of the billfish we hooked. He was happy helping the mate rig baits and set up the spread. I caught a wahoo that was so large it took two of us to hold it up. And my first Pacific blue marlin. We ate dinner with some of the wealthiest men in the country in this massive mansion complete with glove-wearing butlers and a library with quite a collection of fishing books. We were so far out of our element it felt like Mars. But he never wavered. He was just quirky. Always comfortable in his own skin, no matter the setting. He charmed the guys in the blue blazers, recanting fishing stories of giant tuna and sharing his uncanny knowledge of diesel engines. Corky never cared much for doctors or medicine. He broke his leg in a motorcycle accident in his 20s, and he never got it set. He just went to work with a cane for a while. 
Decades of that kind of stuff eventually caught up to him. His later years were marked by pain in his knees and shoulders. He spent more time at his desk, twisting wire, making shark rigs for his friends. He also started rehabbing old spinning reels that he'd give to neighborhood kids. My parents lived on a quaint lake loaded with bass and pickerel. That's another quirky story. Apparently, he would break into a state reservoir down the road that held a good population of fish. He'd catch bass and he'd load them in buckets to bring back and release in his lake. When I had boys of my own, we'd visit in the summer and play in the lake all day, just like I did when I was a kid. He'd sit and watch us, smiling. He'd tell a few stories and get my kids to dig up worms for bait. He wasn't the kind of guy that would give you a big hug or say I love you, but he had a soft side. I spotted him crying at my wedding. He showed his affection in different ways. When I was home from college, he'd peel off bills from the knot of cash he carried, and he'd stick a couple in my pocket. If he liked you, he'd cook for you, and that was always a treat. Big rib roasts and baked stuffed shrimp. Whenever I came around, he'd make me a lobster dinner. He knew what I liked to drink, and he kept it on hand. That's how I knew he loved me. With the rods put away and the tackle organized into boxes based on targeted species and shoved into a closet till the weather warms, this corner of my parents' house was transformed. I polished the wood and fixed one of the poles that had fallen off. The contents of the desk were different now, but the globs of hardened epoxy and the black ink spots from magic markers used on hook points were the same. And all of the rigs that he left behind will go to his fishing club buddies to be fished, because that's what he would want. As I stood back and looked at the newly cleaned desk, his exit felt real for the first time. The oak roll top was no longer a workbench. It was a keeper of memories. Huh. So that's my story about my stepdad. You know, it's been a, a really strange year for so many and being robbed of family time to celebrate or grieve or whatever the case may be has been tough for everybody so i'm sure a lot of you can relate and i hope you enjoyed this piece get out and fish with the people you love because you never know when the next day or the next opportunity to to spend time with that person will will be there thanks All of the time and my baby going fishing too Bet your life, your sweet wife She's gonna catch more fish than you Singing many fish bites if you got good bait And here's a little tip I'd like to lay Well, many fish bites if you got good bait I'm going fishing, yes I'm going fishing And my baby going fishing too on down to my favorite fishing hole and you know I brought a pole in line caught a 12 pound steelhead on the fly me oh my and I brought it on home for supper time many fish bites if you got good bait and here's a little dip I'd like to relay well with my pole and my line I'm a going fishing yes I'm going fishing and my baby going fishing too 
thought about to drive me out of my mind saying, Dad, can I go fishing with you? So I took her on down to my favorite fishing hole. What do you think that girl of mine did do? She caught a 10-pound silver off the bottom. She got him, took it home, told Mama she was real gone. With her pole and her line, Hazel's going fishing. Yes, she's going fishing, and my baby going fishing too. Oh, fish on now. on the grill and you cook it till it starts to flake then you put that hunk on the dinner table and you chow on down till there's nothing on your plate singing many fish bites if you got good bait here's a little tip i'd like to lay well many fish bites if you got good bait i'm a going fishing yes i'm going fishing and my baby going fishing too bet you're going fishing all of the time and my baby going fishing too Bet your life, your sweet wife, she's gonna catch more fish than you. Singing many fish bites if you got good bait. Here's a little tip I'd like to relay well with my pole and my line. I'm a going fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing too. Yes, I'm a going fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing too.